This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. So I hope it's not too early for this, but I'm going to start with a story about winter, if that's all right with you. It was January 12th, 1888, and it was uh, an unusually warm morning. And those of you who are in the Midwest, you know what these are like. Everyone wants to get outside because it feels like, oh, spring might be coming. But no, really, it's a lie and it's so far away. But as you could imagine, many people this day were out. They were enjoying the warm weather. And many children even went to school that day without hats and mittens. But in the early afternoon, a massive cold front blew through and caused the temperatures just to plunge to 20 degrees below zero. And what became known as the schoolhouse blizzard or the children's blizzard caught everyone by surprise. From Nebraska up through the Dakotas into Minnesota, this unexpected storm claimed the lives of many, including children who had just been let out of their one-room schoolhouses. Survivors told of high winds combined with snow causing whiteout conditions. One farmer described it this way. He said, you could hardly see your hand before you or draw your breath and the intense cold, the roaring wind, the darkness would appall even the stoutest heart. There were many reports of people frozen just a few feet away from their back door because they were unable to find their way back home in the storm. Now, because of storms like this, farmers in the Great Plains would run a rope from their house to their barn so that when they finished up the chores, they would be able to use that rope as a way to get back to the house, even in the worst whiteout blizzards. Without the rope, a person could wander around in the blinding snow, thinking that he was going in a straight line, but really was just wandering in circles. But with the rope, a person was sure to get home no matter how blinding the storm. Now, how many of us in the last eight weeks have felt like we're just wandering around in a whiteout? Like we were outside on a nice warm day, enjoying the day, and then all of a sudden this storm of our lifetime suddenly just enveloped us. Like we used to know the destination and we used to know the pathway there but now we can't see and we feel like we are just walking in circles with one bland day bleeding into the next bland day. And we wonder if the house of our former life is even there, let alone a way back to it. We long for home and we long for a rope to hold onto to get us back to that place. In the gospel reading today, Jesus' followers were also dealing with a trouble of disorientation, a trouble of uncertainty, because they just spent three years with Jesus, and they were convinced that he was the one who was going to rescue Israel. But now during a meal, Jesus kind of upends everything, and he starts talking about being betrayed and talking about leaving them and going somewhere, and that even his most loyal follower, Peter, says Jesus, will disown him. They've entered into a blizzard, a blizzard of disorientation, a blizzard of uncertainty, a blizzard of fear. It's into this air that Jesus declares, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Or said in another way, stop letting your hearts be troubled. Keep on trusting in God. 
keep on trusting in me. Jesus's message to them was clear. Keep trusting to the disciples, to us. Great, Jesus, you might be saying. That sounds awesome. But could you please give me a little more? What does that look like? What does it look like to keep trusting? In times of great uncertainty, there are a few really basic fundamental human questions that we often ask. They are, where am I going? How do I get there? And what do I do now? And it's almost like Jesus anticipates these questions, both from his followers and from us. And he answers them with grace and he answers them with clarity. Because first, Jesus promises a place. Second, Jesus reveals the path. And third, Jesus gives a purpose. It's like Jesus gives us three handles to hold on to, to help us keep trusting in the middle of uncertainty as we follow this way through trouble. If you're the follow along and fill in the blank kind of people, you can follow along in your worship guide and there's actually some blanks that you can fill in as we, as we move forward. So the first question, where are we going? Jesus answers here and he promises a place. Verses two and three of our gospel passage today in John chapter 14, Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is leaving. He's leaving earth, but he's going to prepare a place for the disciples. That place, he says, is the Father's house. Bible scholars are pretty unanimous in saying that this, he's talking about heaven. This is God's space, the place where God dwells. And he says it two times for emphasis. He's preparing a place. And in this place, there's room for everyone. I will come again, says Jesus, and I will take you to myself. Notice this language, language of fellowship, language of intimacy, language of bringing in and dwelling together, a forever dwelling with God. This is the promise in the face of uncertainty that Jesus gives a future an unshakable future. It's like we can get so focused on the, the things that we're looking down. He brings our eyes up to the horizon to see with a different perspective. Most of the time in human history, people haven't had the comforts that we have in the West. The, the almost guarantee, of, we think, of health, of money, of shelter, of food. And so around the globe and throughout time, people have longed to look up to some kind of provision from outside of themselves. We often in the United States have felt like we are the ones who are providing for ourselves. But now in this time, when that illusion of control is kind of taken away from us, we find ourselves searching for the destination. We thought the destination was um, status or esteem We thought the destination was money or possessions or our health or our retirement account. We thought we knew, but now we don't. And we're longing for someone to come tell us what the destination is. I know for some of us, it feels like the destination is to just get back to normal. 
We long for our old life. We long for normality. And of course, there is nothing wrong with longing for this pandemic to be over. That's a good desire. But what we need to be careful of is making that good desire an ultimate desire. Because our longing is really for something more. Our longing is not for temporal things. Our longing is for a truer, better destination a destination that we were made for, the Father's house, dwelling with the Father in relationship forever. Now, I can hear some of you thinking right now, see, I knew it, I knew it. All you Christians were interested in about is this pie in the sky future. You're thinking about getting out of here, this divine evacuation plan, and you don't even care about the present. Actually, that's the furthest from the truth, and we're gonna come back and talk about that in just a few minutes. Knowing the place is, is really important, but it's no good unless we know how to get there. It would be like the farmers in the Great Plains who knew they wanted to get home. Of course they wanted to get home. The problem was they didn't have their way through the blizzard. They needed the rope. So our second question, how do we get there? Jesus reveals the path. And what we find is that the path is actually a person. And so we come to the hinge verse of this chapter, John, 14, chapter, uh, John chapter 14, verse six. And this verse is actually in the same league as John 3.16. And we don't see it as much at football games. I think we should change that. Maybe John, John 14.6 should be on the signs too. Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we've seen where we're going, the Father's house, to dwell with him forever. How do we get there? Jesus. But this is where things get a little bit different from what we might expect because we have lots of different religious teachers that give us pathways towards something, pathways toward transcendence or self-actualization or some kind of spiritual realization of our, of our purpose and living as one with the universe. Jesus gives us something different because he gives us a path that's not apart from himself, but he gives us a path that is actually himself. I wanna show you a picture. Uh, and this picture is actually, uh, was, was shared with me and with several others in our Gregory House Ministry School by Dr. John Clark, um, who read our gospel for us this morning. And this picture is of Jesus as the way pointing to life, but there are some subtleties here that are actually, actually kind of funny if we take time to appreciate them. So we've got this couple, they're, they're wanting life. They're heading toward uh, a, a destination and they, they want to find life. And they're asking Jesus, how do we get there? Dr. Clark affectionately calls this Jesus the tour guide Jesus. And he says, great, that's awesome. So if you just drive a few miles down this road, you'll take your first right, go a couple miles down, take your first left, that'll take you down a dirt road, two more miles and you'll be right there. You'll find what you're looking for. Now, the funny part is, is this is picturing the way apart from Jesus, like all the other maybe religious teachers who are saying, do these four principles, enact these things, that will bring you to some kind of abstract life. That's not what Jesus brings. We can almost amend that picture and change it to, what's the way through COVID? 
We don't have a Jesus who's standing there saying, this is the way, just follow these things and getting, you can get through this pandemic. No, Jesus is himself the way. The path is actually a person. This is unique in human history. Jesus is not just a means to an end. So unlike the rope, so the metaphor breaks down like all great metaphors, unlike the rope, which is just a means to something else, Jesus is not just the means. In a way, he's the destination and the way. He's united to the Father. This builds on John chapter one and talking about how Jesus is God. He's been with God from the beginning and how he became flesh. And he's the perfect revelation of who God is. Look at this union language in John chapter 14. If you've seen the father, you've seen me. I am in the father. The father is in me. And then we have this bold, outrageous sentence later on in John chapter 14 in verse 20. It's one of my favorite verses in the gospel of John. Jesus talking to the disciples still about after the Holy Spirit comes, he says, in that day, you will know that I am in the father you in me and I in you. We are somehow added into this union that we are united with Jesus. And so we're brought into this, into his union, his forever union, his beautiful, perfect union with the father. And so in that we get to participate in God's very life. The way is not out there. The way is Jesus. And so now this participation, we share in it as a foretaste of the eternal rest that we have in the Father's house. And so the teaching here is that we can be only in the way if the way is in us. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it really easy to get caught up in blizzards. And one of the blizzards for me right now is looking at the end of COVID as a destination. And if I don't catch myself early enough, I find myself then moving to what's the way? What's the way forward to get through this? And so the rope for me becomes a vaccine. The rope becomes testing. The rope becomes social distancing or strategies for opening. And to be clear, I'm so thankful for the people who are investing their energy and their lives in trying to help us figure out how to move through this. This isn't a knock on them. Or maybe it's a different destination for you. Maybe it's not COVID-related. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's happiness. Maybe it's approval from others. Whatever it is, when this happens, we move away from the way into false competing ways. And there are so many of these ways in our culture that are all vying for our loyalty, saying, I have it here. I'm the way. Come, follow me. I have the solution. And then we grab onto the rope and we pull it and then it comes off and falls off in our hands and we're stuck holding the rope to nowhere because there's only one. There's life only in one way and all of the lesser ways, whether they be political parties or jobs or relationships, they will all disappoint. So Jesus promises a place, the Father's house. He promises and reveals the path. The path is himself, the person, God in the flesh, Jesus, who has dwelt with the Father in all eternity, inviting us into that mutual indwelling, the very life of God. 
And for some of you, you're just staying in these two places and those are good places to stay. (laughs) Recognizing that we're called into something bigger, casting our eyes up and living into union with Jesus. He's meeting you in those places now. But for others, there's one more gift in this passage, actually. The third question of, well, what do I do now? Jesus gives us a purpose, verses 12 through 14. So now we can come back to that objection that sometimes uh, people raise, and it's a good objection. So you, you Christians just care about heavenly things. You don't care about the present. Your head is in the clouds. And it's true that some have acted in that way, but that's not the way of Jesus. As we live into our union with Jesus in his eternal union with the Father, there is work for us to do. Now, I know because I've talked to many of you in the past several weeks that there's almost a crisis of purpose today. This question, what do I do? Now, in the middle of March, when all of these things hit and and changed our lives, the purpose was survival. The purpose was, okay, what do I do now? What does life look like? What does my work look like in school with the kids? And, and to a certain degree, we're still trying to figure some of those things out. But for many of you, you've now moved into a place of, of boredom, a place of just agitation, anxiety. And part of that is related to how you and I have been designed to accomplish work, to do the work of God, the purpose that he has created for us. Verse 12 of this passage provides this purpose for us. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Notice the foundation here is belief or trust in Jesus as the way. That is the the foundation for everything that follows. So nothing will matter unless that is in place, this belief and trust, connection with Jesus, living in union with him. But when we do, our purpose is actually to do the very works of Jesus. Yes, those are works of humility, works of service, works of love. It's taking up Jesus's mantle and caring for and lifting up the vulnerable, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the refugee, the immigrant, that's important work. But in this passage and in the gospel of John, the works have a special meaning and and they're focused more on the signs and miracles that Jesus was doing, the supernatural power of God invading our space and bringing healing and salvation. And so to whoever believes, the purpose for us is to participate in the works of Jesus, to embody the very presence and power of Jesus in the world, of course, through the Holy Spirit. We live in a culture that's dominated by words, lots of words, lots of words everywhere. We hear and see too many. And words are important. We won't say that they're not. But the Bible says that we need both words and works. Verse 10 even says it in our passage in different spots in the New Testament. Words and works are necessary together because these works are tangible expressions of God's word. They're tangible expressions of the presence and power of God. People in our time, you and I even, we are hungry for this. 
Jesus doesn't just matter in a church building, in a cathedral, in a, in a church. Jesus matters in the marketplace. He matters in your home. He matters in the day-to-day things. But how do we do this, you might ask? Verse 13 gives us that. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Honestly, I'm a little nervous with these verses. Two times he says, ask anything. Two times he says, I will do it. Part of why I'm nervous is my unique experiences uh, and going to school at a, a Christian university where some chapel speakers would come in and describe Jesus more like a genie in a, in a bottle uh, or as one said, like a Coke machine, that if we put our, our coins in, we can expect to get the Coke out of the machine. That is not, let me assure you, that is not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not a genie who helps me achieve whatever I want in my personal success. And so the key phrase here is in my name. Asking in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, according to his purposes, his character, his will. We're praying like Jesus would pray. Well, how do we do that? That's where the ordinary, seemingly mundane disciplines of prayer, individually and corporately. We have morning and evening prayer, even at Church of the Resurrection via Zoom, reading our Bibles, worshiping together and at home. These things form us. They form in us the very desires and character of Jesus that when we pray, we start to pray more along the lines of what the Lord would pray in our situation. Second part here, he repeats twice, I will do it. This is a great comfort to me. I can tend to feel like I have to manufacture something. Like I need to, I need to make a miracle so that someone will know what Jesus is like but it's not our power. The pressure is not on us. And as Bishop Stewart has taught us many times, God does everything. We do something and our something is asking. Asking in the name of Jesus, according to his will and purposes. Now, what would it look like if we embraced this purpose that God has given us? What would it look like for us to embrace this prayer for a demonstration of God's presence and power in our home or our apartment with our moms and dads, with our siblings, with our children? What would it look like if we prayed for a demonstration of God's presence and power in our neighborhoods, in the grocery store, at your coffee shop, the gas station, at work with coworkers, wherever it might be, what would it look like? Could you see what it could look like as we ask in the name of Jesus for the presence of Jesus to be powerfully active in people's lives to bring hope and healing and orientation and strength and wisdom and hope? In Jesus, we have a purpose and that purpose is to carry on his works. Now, as we conclude, what is Jesus inviting you to today? Is Jesus inviting you perhaps 
to leave behind the lesser destinations, the things that have been in front of our eyes and to reorient our heart and mind and to look up and to see our true home, the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us, this heavenly abode and dwelling with the Father in the Father's house, with Jesus forever? Or is Jesus maybe inviting you to stop on the path that you're walking? You're heading in one direction and the invitation for you is to stop and unite yourself with the true path the true way, the person of Jesus who has lived in mutual relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit throughout all eternity and the invitation that he's made to you to come into that mutual indwelling and love and relationship? Or is maybe Jesus inviting you to a new purpose through the power of the Holy Spirit to embody the very presence and power of Jesus, to pray for miracles and healing and transformation in your home, in your neighborhood, in your city, your community. Whatever the invitation is, may we hear the voice of Jesus this morning and may he give us the courage to respond and trust. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.